Box WSL. I'm Alex, your host, and for those of you who don't know, I'm a sports journalist based in the UK, usually found blabbing about women's football. And when I'm not, it usually means I'm out of breath playing football. I'm delighted to welcome my new co-host on the pod. First, we have women's football writer Jesse Parker Humphreys. Welcome to the pod, Jesse. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hello. Yes, I'm Jesse. Um, I'm also a women's football writer, normally found uh, at the offside rule and occasionally in other outlets. And secondly, we have Houston Dash's news analyst, Abdullah Abdullah. You want to give a little intro about your new job? Yeah, hi. So, name's Abdullah. Um, got the so got a gig with the Houston Dash yesterday, day on Friday. I announced it yesterday, but I got it on Friday. So, I'm their new part of the new recruitment analyst team, recruit, doing a recruitment for them. Um, also, a writer, have my own book coming out in a couple of months, and I write for analysis for Total Football Analysis and other publications. So, it's kind of been all over the place doing a lot of things. So, but yeah, here we are. Love it. Love being here. Jesse, I think we need to step up our game in the women's football. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, um, my introduction was just one line long. <laughs> I know. I don't have a book coming out anytime soon. I need a bigger CV. <laughs> I write in a notebook sometimes. That's sometimes. almost a book. <laughs> That's pretty much hey, it. I also <laughs> write in a notebook. I've got it right here. It's just, it's full right now. But I've I do done have a stop showing off. <laughs> Uh, so welcome to the party too um as you probably guessed it we will be talking about women's football pretty much weekly mainly focusing on the wsl sometimes expanding to european football as a whole um but today we are talking about the wsl fixture list that we had today and it was another week of split screens with arsenal facing aston villa Birmingham City hosting Manchester City and Tottenham versus Everton all kicking off at the same time. So it was um, we had to split our bodies to get one person to focus on each one. Um, this was supposed to be a free weekend, free weekend in the WSL, but it was used for postponed matches, which is why there was only three fixtures and not everyone played. In kind of a, a quick summary, Arsenal comfortably won 4-0 over Aston Villa with help from a Katie McCabe worldie. Manchester City put four past Birmingham featuring a Sam Lewis brace. And the most entertaining match of the afternoon was definitely Everton's 3-2 win over Tottenham that saw two penalties in the opening 20 minutes. Now, we'll start with Tottenham versus Everton, which Jesse was allocated to that match today. And after today, Spurs are eighth place, six points clear of relegation. And Everton continue to inch towards the top four, sitting four points off Arsenal in fourth place at the moment. Jesse, what do you think of the match? Yeah, I mean, I was very lucky to get this, this draw for this match because I think this was definitely the one that on the face of it, was always going to be the most interesting. I feel like both Tottenham and Everton have been kind of like the aspirational teams of this season. You know, they both came in from that summer transfer window with a lot of exciting signings. Everton obviously had this crazy start to the season where they were absolutely flying and both of them have kind of fallen away. So it felt like for both teams, this was a real opportunity to you know, after the international break, like rev up their engines and kind of go again as we head into the end of the season. Um, and I mean, yeah, it was a great start for Everton. They just scored two penalties in 20 minutes, uh, both Valerie Govan penalties. I think they both looked pretty soft. The first was for a handball. 
which I did think was a handball, but when the camera work and the replays are so bad, like my instinct was that it probably was, but I don't know. It was a header down into the area, wasn't it? Yeah, but it was hard to see because her hand was raised. um, And yeah, I don't know. Um, I think on some of the freeze frames, it does just look like a header, but I I can see why the referee gave it, honestly, because her hands were in the air. The second one... uh, it was like a push in the box from a corner, but it wasn't. It was so, so soft. So it was a pretty unfortunate start for Spurs. Um, but they did get back into the game. This was a real match where it felt like both teams just had players who really wanted to take it by the scruff of the neck. And for Spurs, the first goal they scored from Angela Addison was just an amazing finish after a great ball from Kit Graham. And Graham and Addison looked really really good together I think Spurs have struggled this season rotating a lot of their attacking players and it feels like now you're starting to see those relationships start to build a bit more their equalizing goal just Gemma Davison rolling back the years uh, (laughs) playing like you know she did four or five seasons ago and just taking matters into her own hands and basically running running with the ball into the area scoring but then uh, Jill Scott topped off her good week with a nice uh, winner from a corner what's new Absolutely. But yeah, also shout out to uh, Claire Emsley because talking about yeah players taking the game by the scruff of the neck, just felt like Emsley was constantly running and running at the Spurs defence. And, you know, she played Izzy Christensen through on goal at one point. Izzy Christensen should have scored. <coughs> Valerie Govan should have scored more, to be honest. Um, Nicole Sorensen kept putting in these gorgeous crosses, which Govan just couldn't quite get on the end of. Um, and I think it is a concern for Everton that yeah, they scored three today, but none of them were from open play. And it still feels like they're lacking that real bite in the box that, that maybe we saw at the start of the season. I definitely agree with that. Um, they kind of didn't live up to the expectation that, that you kind of had for them after watching the first few games of the WSL. Uh, Abdullah, what was your, what's your general thought of, of Everton and how do you see them getting on for the rest of the season? I mean... I like I like Everton. I think I think this season for me they've been one of my favorite teams to watch. I think Willie Kirk did an excellent job in the transfer window, and I think w- when I saw Valerie Gonga sign for Everton, I remember I was at the gym, and I got a ping on my phone, and it said Valerie Gonga signs for uh, signs for Everton. And I stopped everything, and I went, "This is this is potentially top two signing of the season." I mean, to me, she's like the Olivier Giroud of the French women's national team, just because her hold-up play and her ability to bring players into play um, and just kind of hold up the ball and even just score herself. I mean, okay, I think one of the criticisms criticisms leveled at her in the summer of 2019 during the World Cup was she doesn't score enough goals at, you know, at her previous club in France, for, uh, you know, Montpellier. It wasn't like she was scoring a ton of goals, but Ever since she's come here, it's like the physicality of the league and and the pace suits her more. And I think the way they play, having a Claire Ramsey, you know, coming up on the wings and having players like that who were able to cut inside and kind of for her to be able to use her strengths of holding up the ball and letting them come in behind and even just getting into the box because you're going to get some great crosses. And it's 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 just a quality up in league. And I think she's one of my favorite signs. I think Spurs, on the other hand, like you said, there's just so many changes. I didn't think the Alex Morgan signing helped. I think it just distracted everybody. I think there was a distraction. Um, while it did do, do commercially well for them, I think just having her there every week, the questions around Tottenham, is she going to play? Is she not going to play? I'm sure the players are sick of it at some point. Um, 
And I think now they're starting to slowly gel in. I like Alana Kennedy a lot. I think she's a really good signing. Uh, sitting there, you know, in front of the back four, kind of defending it. I was looking at her stats uh, the other day, and she kind of she, she's kind of quite high this season for a lot of the defensive stats and a lot of the playmaking passing stats as well. So it, it, she's one of those players where because you don't notice her too much, and I know she's got a fiery head, uh, you know, in, in her game, but it, it, she I think can really give Tottenham a base to build out off of, and 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 kind of give them more going. And if they can get her playing well, the four players like they did today, if they can get a little more consistency there, I think they can go up the table. But I think for me, it's it's, it's Everton taking it all, uh, you know, taking it well. And I think it's between them and United. Eventually, I think them and United and Arsenal for that, for that final third, fourth place uh, spot. And keeping up that talk about Alana Kennedy and, and particularly Shannon Sidorsky, who, who actually captained uh, Tottenham today. And, and Alana Kennedy has also captained Spurs previously. Um, Jesse, what do you what do you see today in terms of Alana Kennedy playing that role, that important role that Abdullah just mentioned and Shalina Sidorsky as well? Yeah, I think both of them have been absolutely amazing signings. Um, Alana Kennedy, just every time that Spurs put a ball into the box, she just looks so imposing. And, you know, there were points in that game where Everton just looked at sixes and sevens when balls were coming in and, and Spurs were probably unlucky not to, to get a goal from that. But Alana Kennedy, she's just like a destroyer, you know? Like, Anything I just that fear comes in that, path. Yeah, any... Um, any midfielder or attacker who's, who's coming across her, she's just like, you know, ready to cut them down. I think it's been hard to assess the impact of Zdorsky as much just because I feel like Tottenham's back four has just had a lot of like wobbly moments, which haven't necessarily been Zdorsky's fault. There's been a lot of like individual errors in there, you know, in the Chelsea game the other week. We had Abby McManus having Abby McManus having a bit of a nightmare, um, and obviously Becky Spencer out at the moment, and Ron Mickelson's in goal. Um, so you know, I don't think we've really seen the impact of Zadorski. But if you know, these were loan signings that have become permanent deals. If they are going to stay for for longer, I think they're they're two players you can really build a team around. Yeah, I definitely agree that that perhaps as Abdullah mentioned as well, and, and you did as well that it could be a good foundation for Spurs to kind of build off of. And it's been huge quality signings. And of course, Spurs had quality in, in the team before they came along. But you, you kind of tell they, they've played abroad and they played in the NWSL with, you know, US Women's National Team players. And they have that that attitude on the pitch that no matter what, they're out there to win. And as you mentioned, Alon Kennedy, like whoever comes your way, there's no way that you're winning that ball. Um, so it, it is quite interesting to see, especially Rihanna Skinner, how she's how she's keeping up with, with Spurs. Um, Jesse, what's your general thought of Rihanna Skinner so far? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I know lots of people really rated the appointment and I know she's got a lot of experience, but I also thought it was quite a big step up for her to take in terms of a job and a tricky one, you know, like given how how long um, Juan Amoros and Karen Hill's been in that role that's always going to be, you know, a big cultural change for a club when you've, when you've had two, two managers running things basically for, you know, the real arc of Spurs' growth into a WSL side. And I think what we've seen from Rahan Skinner so far is some really interesting and precise tactical moments without seeing it blossom into a full... 90 successful game plan if that makes sense you know I felt like 
Tikite against Everton, something that I really liked was that um, Tottenham were like happy to play the ball long and happy to have Rosella Ayan, Angela Addison run onto those longer balls and they got a lot of joy off it. And I think it's something that not enough teams in the WSL do. It feels very trendy to like play out from the back. But there is space in between, you know, behind lots of these back lines. Um, and I like that pragmatism from Skinner and her willingness to get a team to do that. And I think some of the pressing, you know, that when they had when they played Chelsea, the first 15 minutes, they were really, really impressive. They looked like a very well-organized team. But I just don't think we've quite, we haven't quite seen the team manage, team manage to do that for a whole game and get the result that maybe those tactics deserve. But I think we will probably get there. And they do have a a bit of a tough month coming up in March. Uh, They face Arsenal, Man City, Man United back to back to back. Um, So that's going to be a big test for them. Um, But speaking of Arsenal, they they beat Aston Villa 4-0 and in a convincing win at that. And after today, Arsenal stay in fourth place and currently six points off Manchester United in third. Though with the game in hand, so slowly closing that gap between them and that Champions League spot that they're so desperate for. Um, Villa sit in 10th, four points clear of relegation. Um, so kind of still a bit of a battle in, in the relegation zone at that. Um, but I don't know if how much you guys watched of that, but please tell me you saw that Caden McCabe goal. Oh my God, talk about a redemption moment. That was absolutely... It didn't, it didn't even look that she was going to set up for a shot. She just kind of just placed the ball there, took a few steps back and then just whipped that up, like if nothing. Incredible. That was absolutely ridiculous. Um, but that was um, that was my allocated match to watch, and gladly, although not as as many kind of back and forth goals as there was in Everton versus Tottenham, um, it was it was still a four 0 win with when we saw four goals. But it was it was quite interesting though because this is the first time in I think quite a few months that I've actually enjoyed watching Arsenal play. Obviously, they've only had about three matches in the past two months, which is absolutely ridiculous when you compare it to Chelsea, who have had actually seven, not including the Conti Cup and the FA Cup games. So that's a bit ridiculous on their part um, of not having that rhythm and not having that consistency of, of building up their play and building up their players, especially when you have a few players playing out of position. But today, I kind of enjoyed them most than I have in a while because of their fluidity. I wrote an analysis piece and it was basically about how Arsenal aren't fast enough to exploit the spaces that people leave behind. And in this game, they actually switch the ball a lot quite often out of press. They corner themselves when they don't pass the ball out into space. And obviously with Aston Villa playing with five defenders in the back, they had plenty of space to switch the play over. Um, but you saw a lot of movement. Jordan Nobbs started out on the wing. Danny van der Donk, Joe Roard, and Leo Walty started in the middle three. But you saw very often that Dan kind of drifted out to the wing and Jordan came out to the middle in her more natural position. Um, which I found more interesting because Jordan has obviously been out for a few games due to injury. And she definitely looked like someone that has been out for the past few games. She was ready to come in. And that energy she brought, I think I thought was very important to Arsenal. Her movement off the ball was absolutely amazing. Um, Her movement with the ball was amazing. And she kind of forced other players to move around her because she was moving into people's spaces, which kind of forced Arsenal to move the ball a bit quicker than they usually do. And I thought that was absolutely amazing. Um, obviously the first half finished no nil, so that wasn't necessarily a, a big uh, first half for them although they did finish with about 86% possession um, so that was kind of it kind of shows what they did they just dominated the game absolutely but didn't really have a lot of chances on target as you would expect it to be in such a dominant game but obviously the second half opened up quite a bit and the first goal that Arsenal got was merely just exploiting the space that a deep block of Aston Villa was giving away I thought that was quite interesting also how 
after that first goal, Arsenal just kind of came at it with everything, no matter what. That was very interesting to see that and, and kind of see the floodgates open at that. I don't know if you've got to see any anything of the of the game, Jesse. Yeah, I thought it was um it was interesting because it really felt like you know, even just looking down the score sheet, you know, Lisa Evans getting a goal, Jordan Nob scoring, you get the, these opportunities for these players coming back in who've been out for injury. And it's kind of been what we've been saying all season with Arsenal is there's a great team there and there's a great squad there. But, you know, when you don't have that depth because of injury, stuff becomes really tricky. And, you know, it's great to, to see those players coming back and, and hopefully seeing a bit of a better Arsenal team going forward. Something I thought was really interesting this week, Alex, I'd be intrigued to hear what you thought was um, Joe Montemurro's comments about how they tried to sign Mana Iwabuchi who obviously has been Aston Villa's big signing. And, and, you know, I just would be intrigued to know what what you kind of thought about that whole scenario. I think she would definitely fit into Arsenal and and her style of play. um, I think she does kind of mirror a lot of what Kim Little uh, does in the Arsenal midfield, a lot of what Jordan Nobbs does in the Arsenal midfield. And we we saw it today, her footwork is absolutely amazing. Um, But unfortunately, I think at Aston Villa, she doesn't really have a lot of support around her to kind of shine the way she probably would want to shine. And yeah, Joe kind of mentioned in the press conference the other day that she didn't sign for Arsenal because there was a bit of complication with the national team. I think Japan were, were asking for for her to come back a lot. And um, I don't think Arsenal were, were kind of OK or they, they couldn't really approve of that. Um, so there was a bit of complication. And that was kind of the main reason that she didn't sign for Arsenal because Joe was very, very interested. And I do agree that I think she would fit very well into an Arsenal midfield and kind of add a lot to that style of play. Because as mentioned earlier, Arsenal do lack a lot of speed of play and a lot of creative play when, when they're kind of stuck, when the opposition is kind of pressuring them back down. And I think she could have brought that to them. Abdullah, did, did you watch any of the Arsenal game? So I couldn't couldn't really catch um, the whole game, but I do have a little bit of a thought on just Arsenal as a whole, which I think I'll, I'll bring forward. And it's kind of kind of been the story of the season, almost from a tactical perspective. Um, and I think um, and I think I think I, 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 your point of um, them kind of have not having a solution, not being as creative when when you know when teams have a compact block, they're sitting in two banks of four, and then there's no space no space through. I think. Also, a very much a team that have a lot of ball players, but not enough runners in behind. You know, you've got Jordan Nobbs, you've got Kim Little, you've got um, you know Jill Roard, you've got Daniel Vanderdonk. All of these players love the ball at their feet, but there's not enough players who want to run in behind. You may have like, even Beth Mead, if she can do it, but she likes being on the ball, cutting inside. Viviana Miedema might be the only one really who does that really well. But then you can't have one player running up against four defenders and four midfielders in, the, in a midfield, and you need more. And Jordan Nobbs is another name in there. So I think I think Iwobuchi would have been such a good signing in the sense where she wouldn't have needed the ball. She would just be running around doing a lot of off the ball work, but then also trying to make these runs in behind like she's been doing for Villa. I think it's I think right now January signing of the season that has to be. You know, she's just doing so well. I think. Arsenal will struggle if they don't have a game. You know, it, it just some reason it doesn't. It, it looks like Montemur doesn't have a plan B. It's just like, all right, we're just going to change a few players, like for like changes, and it's just like, but it's just not. It's like almost you're hoping that the players on the pitch, their quality will shine and win it for them, but it's it's just not working out. And I think there's just no. I, I think the profile of players missing. I think 
the summer is going to be important. I think there needs to be a refresh, not even just in terms of the manager, but I think a couple of players need to be, uh, you know, sold. And I think there needs to be a little bit of a change there overall. That's kind of my position on it. Yeah, I think I can definitely agree with the kind of the profile of players and, and Joe kind of getting stuck in his own philosophy and his own style of play and, and not being able to, to have a plan B when things go wrong. Um, and I, I think for the first time today, it actually worked out for him with having sure, players yeah. a bit a bit out of position and, and a bit not out of their comfort zone because they do shine. And the kind of the example that I would take out is is Dan van der Donk, um, obviously for the Dutch national team. She plays a completely different role than she does, than, well, than she has been for Arsenal. And you kind of saw her really excited to play with the Dutch national team. And she did play really, really well. You saw her a lot, a lot more yeah. free on the pitch. And I think for the first time today in a while, it did work having her in the midfield, but only because Jordan Nobbs was outside on the wing. So they were able to interchange with each other quite often. So you did see kind of Dan floating around and Jordan floating around in the midfield without without any kind of restrictions. And for once, it did work. Um, but I do agree that, that most of the time, the profile of players that are on the pitch, particularly Dan, when she's forced to play a bit of a lower role, doesn't doesn't really suit their their strengths. Moving on to the next match, Man City beat Birmingham today. Don't think there was any surprise there. Um, Man City sit second, two points off Chelsea at the moment, and Birmingham sit in 11th, just one point off Spurs with a game in hand. So, Abdullah, what were your thoughts on that game? Right. So, um, you know, when, when I went to watch the game, I was I was kind of expecting and I was having this conversation with somebody else yesterday. And we were both like, this could be a very interesting game just because Birmingham have defended decently well this season and City have obviously have a very devastating attack. And, you know, it will be interesting to see whether they could repel the amount of dangerous players that they have. And obviously that that was the case. They actually it was a it was a huge route. They, they absolutely, you know, pummeled them and the scoreline almost you know, flat as Birmingham and it's it's hard to and I'm sorry to Birmingham fans for saying that, but City could have had, you know, six, seven goals quite easily if, you know, it was it was it was so it was such a dominant performance from, you know, from almost not even the get go, but I think once City got their first goal, it just kind of let the floodgates open. They did well for the first forty minutes, uh Birmingham to kind of keep it keep it tight, keep it okay. You know, City had their chances, but really once Sam Mewis scored the couple of goals it's just open. And, and I think for the most part, um, I think City's problem this season has been against the bigger against the bigger sides, not against the smaller sides. It, it kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, it, it's it's like that flat track bully. You'll you'll destroy your Birmingham's, your Bristol's, you know, your Spurs is three, four, five nil, which is fantastic. You need that. But then when it comes to your Chelsea's, your 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 Arsenal's, your Manchester United's, Air Everton's, that's where you really need to to step up and, and get those three points if you really want to be title challengers, title contenders. And I think that's where they've been let down more often than not this season. I think they've they've also not found a way to kind of break down. Um, well, obviously they found a way to break down stubborn defenses, but they've not found a breakdown quality defenses. I think when when you when you got the likes of a Chelsea, like a defense that Chelsea has, were individually excellent defenders. I think that's where they found problems midfield. And the thing is, I think he's almost got Gareth Taylor has too many options. 
you know, it's weird. He's got different profile of players, but he's got too many options. And I and I almost feel like he still doesn't know what his best 11 is. Like, again, today, uh, Abby Dahlkemper has come in. She hasn't started. Uh, Rose Lavelle has had an inconsistent season just because of injury and things like that. So he she can't play. Um, but even with Lavelle... The She Believes Cup that just finished, she was amazing in central midfield there for, for the U.S. She was the MVP of the tournament. And, you know, she didn't look like she was injured or tired. She looked she looked decently fresh. She looked good. And I think he needs to find a way to get her in there. I mean, you've got Coombs. You've got Caroline Weir in great form. You've got um, you, you've got all of these, like, you know, and you've had to get rid of Jill Scott, another great player who's had to go to Everton alone to get some game time. How do you fit everybody in? I don't know, but I think, again, I think he's still feeling his way in this team tactically. I still think he's got one method. It's working out most of the time. There are, he does have a little bit more of a flexibility, but I still think he, I think he's really going to find his feet tactically next season once he's had a season with these players and gets that, you know, experience under his belt. Let's just remember, this is his first real, you know, full season of management. So, it's 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 one of those where he's got the players to be able to almost get away with slightly naive tactics, if I can use that word, lack of a better word, till he finds out what he really wants to do. Um, but overall, today was just they were outstanding, dominant performance. Uh, I think Coombs was like was amazing at, at the base of defense, really classy. Every time she got the ball, press resistant, was able to get the ball, you know, recycle it really well. Um, Steph Steph Houghton just you know with her classic, I'm gonna pass the ball out. And then towards the end, I think Alex, I was I was messaging both of you at the end, and they they almost played like a three six one towards the end. They were just like that's the nature of what they just threw on every attacking player that they had. Bronze moved into like this right wing number 10-ish role. Then you had like the fullbacks overlapping and then Lavelle playing through the middle. She had a she had a shot, you know, off the post at the end. But yeah, overall, I think that's that's kind of what happened in that game. And you mentioned there, you mentioned they're kind of putting Roosevelt back into that midfield. Um, Jesse, what are your thoughts on Samuels and Roosevelt? But also, who do you think are Man City's best three in the midfield? Woof, what a question. Um, yeah, I think Sam Mewis in particular has just been out of this world. And I think Man City are scary right now. I think they are by far and away the best team in WSL. They're really impressive. And, you know, they just seem to have, like, hit this this new level Um and you know that game, that derby against Man United, I just, I just thought it felt like everything was really coming together for them, and and that was without Mewis at the time. She offers them just so much. I think she gives them that different outlet. You know that that opportunity in the air and that real threat. The Rose Lavelle thing is an interesting one. Yeah, I think I think she's a complicated player, and I think Gareth Taylor hasn't quite figured out what to do with her. But I think it's interesting the way that when Mewis was out, he used Stanway in that eight role. And I, I think Stanway and LaBelle have quite similar profiles as players. Um, and I think, you know, it will be interesting to see going forward whether there is a bit more opportunity to, you know, rotate and, and where everyone's going to fit in. In terms of the middle three, I do think the best three is where Walsh Mewis. But it, yeah, it's just, it's, 
crazes. It's like Chelsea as well, you know. Any starting eleven you're going to put out for City or Chelsea, you're going to look at the bench and think, oh my gosh, why are those players on the bench? But like that's that's the reality of the you know strength and depth of these teams. And we're going to come on to the, the Champions League in a bit, I guess. But these sides have built these squads to have a run in the Champions League. You know, like this is beyond the WSL because you can shore a couple of players away from those sides and, and these teams are still going to dominate the WSL. This is like for next level stuff at this point. And I think, you know, Man City have traditionally really flopped in the Champions League. Uh, but I Put think this season... Yeah, I think this season they've got a really good shot and I would be really scared at any team coming up against them. And I think one thing that I'll say for Gareth Taylor that I've been really impressed about is that I think he's improving players that I didn't necessarily think would continue to get better. Like, I think Alex Greenwood is playing better than I've ever seen her play before. Ellen White had a massive... You know, she never looked right, really. I thought in Nick Cushing City last season but she looks on fire at the moment she was totally amazing for England she's been fantastic for City you know six months ago I was like Beth England has to start every England game this is ridiculous and now I'm like oh my gosh no you have to play Ellen White every time and you know I I think that's something that that we shouldn't overlook you know taking these very established players and bringing them to the next level like still challenging them still making them look even better is a really impressive thing to do for someone who let's be real has not has not had much coaching experience much management experience but you know City obviously put a lot of stock in kind of the the Man City way and that's why they wanted someone to come from their youth coaching setup again exactly the same as Nick Cushing and at the moment you've got to say it's working probably argue with that bit but but definitely it is it is going though Abdullah what are your thoughts on that (laughs) (laughs) so basically negating everything I've just spent five minutes saying no I'm kidding (laughs) I I do agree with that I do agree with um, your point I think the Man City way I think that flows from the top and and I'm talking about that as a City group as a whole they want that Guardiola and then I'm assuming Arteta would have been the next step up but obviously he went to Arsenal I think it's that sort of dynamic that they had with Garcia coming up I agree with you on the individual player better than they than they have been I think changing Alex Greenwood from a fullback to a center back has been a stroke of genius just because she's she I mean she kept Gemma Bonner out of the team and I, I think there was an uproar for like six petitions back and people questioning why she's not playing but then Greenwood is just, you know, she's just reinvented herself as the, you know, as the center back. I think, um, you know, uh, you know, giving people like Esme Morgan a, ch- uh, a chance, uh, you know, and I think to some extent, I, I will credit, you know, oh, I think back I a little bit about credit his his man management skills as you know, as you said, getting other white. And I think, can you hear me now? <laughs> right. uh, yeah, I think you're good. Maybe not. Not sure. Technical difficulties here, guys. Okay. That, okay. Um, sorry, guys. I, I live a few thousand miles away from these two, so it's going to be a little bit of an issue sometimes. Uh, uh, I'm going to talk for another 30 seconds. I don't think. No. Wait. You're cutting off completely. Fantastic. Then we'll just move on. Um, I think, <laughs> we'll move on to the next section for now until you get that figured out. Oh, the perks of working from home. 
So now we'll move on. I mean, continuing to talk about Manchester City. Um, obviously, they do face uh, Fiorentina in the Champions League this Wednesday. Um, so, Jesse, what, what is what is your kind of take on that? What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I mean, hey, I don't watch a lot of Italian women's football. So my knowledge of Fiorentina mainly stems, like, goes as far as Luis Quinn plays there. Um, you know, so they seem to be, like, decent but I, I really think you know Man City will probably have enough although th- this has been the stage in the past where Man City have really struggled against teams that you would expect them to be um, so I don't know how much of that will sit with them you know they don't have you look at Chelsea for example you know going into this Champions League run and obviously this is a massive thing for Emma Hayes I think Chelsea's draw is tougher but Chelsea's team is made up of players who have gone on long runs through the Champions League. You know, this is a Chelsea side that two seasons ago went to the semi-finals and, you know, were, were close. You know, they, they ran Leon close in, in that moment. And, and lots of that team is still there. And, you know, recruiting Penila Harder, obviously she's done very well with Wolfsburg in the past in this competition. So I do wonder if Man City will have a little bit at the back of their heads thinking, you know, this isn't a competition we've ever really done well in. But I think at the moment, the way they're playing, they've, they've got to be full of confidence. They, you know, they've got to believe that that they can, you know, get past Fiorentina. And I, I think they'll be fine. I think they definitely will get past Fiorentina. Um, considering, well, as you mentioned, you know, I don't watch that much of Italian football either. Um, but I do know Fiorentina have been on a decent run. Um, but I know I do know Luis Quinn is, is scoring an awful lot for a centre back. Um, I don't think her height is matched in Italian football as much as you would probably expect it to. Maybe not expect it to, but point is she's tall and she scores headers just like Sam Lewis. But do you think Jesse that Man City will will kind of be focused on winning this Champions League as much as focusing on qualifying for next year's Champions League? I think surely City at this point are fairly, you know, I feel like City's probably have three things to focus on at this point in time, right? They they still have a shot at this WSL title. I think they can be fairly confident that they're going to qualify for the Champions League. I think really this WSL title is all going to come down to the game against Chelsea. They will be thinking about the FA Cup if the FA Cup ever comes back is the problem. So I think given that, then, yeah, they've got to look at having a deep a deep run in the Champions League. And these signings, the the newest Lavelle, you know, add Abby Dahlkemper into that. You know, this City team was already good enough to compete very well in the WSL. These are signings to add that extra level and to be able to compete against the best in Europe. And so I do do think that there'll be that focus. And the thing with the WSL at the moment, you know, because because that Chelsea game is almost the one key game left, there's almost like the mental space. And, you know, like we know that teams can slip up. Chelsea know that teams can slip up the hell, you know, in, in this thing. So I'm not suggesting they're not focusing on the WSL games at all. But, you know, I do think there is an element of they've, got they've played Arsenal twice they've played United twice they do have a bit of that mental freeness I think to to have a greater focus on the Champions League 
Yeah, that is that is an interesting take that you say there in terms of mentality. I think in this final stretch of the WSL, mentality is probably the biggest component of, of any team, especially the ones top fighting for that top four. I mean, as you mentioned, you know, Manchester City are, are definitely having a direct rivalry with Chelsea at the moment for that title win. And, and Manchester United and Arsenal are kind of having that big, big rivalry in, for that Champions League spot. And obviously anything can happen at the end of the season. So who knows if Manchester United will run away with the title and Arsenal will come out second. Um, who knows? Um, but we'll try Abdullah's audio, see if that was working again. Um, Abdullah, what are your thoughts on Chelsea versus Atletico Madrid if you can get your audio back? Uh, I hope you can hear me now. Yeah, all good. Take a shot Fantastic. for every time you heard that we sentence. Are, <laughs> we are back in business. Um, no, so Chelsea versus Atletico, I think, like we said, it's the hardest game of the tie. Um, I mean, I think if luck would have it, the men and the women's team both got the same opponent. If they can produce a similar performance to what Tuchel's men did, then uh, I think it'll be good. But I think... I think while it is a tough, tough fixture, I think the form that Chelsea have been in, the players that they have, it, it's it they should qualify. I, I, I mean, all said and done, at the end of the day, they should qualify. You know, Emma Hayes has built a team where, you know, they're made. They, they, they let's be real. She made they they made the team for the Champions League. The, the WSL, they know they have the quality with the team they had last year. The addition of Panella Hada, the addition of Melanie Loipold, the addition of. You know Jesse Fleming and all these players coming in is is all it's all to get the champions. You know the, the Champions League. That's the holy grail. That's what they want. Um, and I really think you know they, they have a really good chance. And I mean the point about City having that you know uh, you know having a chance. I agree because it's it's a knockout competition. Now. I mean from now on. I mean yes, yeah, so we've got two legs in this one, but it's a knockout competition. You play. You just have to be good on the night. You don't have to be good across the sea. You just have to be good on the night. And if you can be good on the night, you will progress. And City and Chelsea both have the capabilities to be really good on their nights, you know. And they, and for more often than not, I think this round for both of them, I think, will be will be fine. They'll qualify. I think Chelsea will need to be wary of. Um, you know, players like Angela Sosa, who you know, who, who basically their talisman. And let's not forget, Atletico Madrid. Uh, you know, a season or two ago, we're 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 near the top of the league. You know, they were they were they were doing well in the in the Spanish division. Obviously, now there's a Barcelona monopoly there, um, but they're not a they're not a totally bad you know not a totally bad side. And I think, um, you know, with with them having the extra rest this week, with no games no no games to play in WSL. And that's a huge help to Chelsea being able to throw out a, a full-fledged lineup for the first for the first leg, um, and and realistically, I think it's the best chance that anybody is going to have to win this Champions League. I mean, I don't want to go on a 20-minute rant about Leon, but um, it's 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 hard not to considering how much I I, I really do enjoy watching them. I, I spent six months, eight months, just doing a lot of research on them, so it, it kind of hurts for me to see the way that they're going because. You know, Lyon haven't been the, the same Lyon team of, of last year. There were signs of their decline, through, you know, towards the end of the tournament there. I think PSG were unlucky enough to win. Uh, Bayern could have really done it in the semifinals. And then Wolfsburg, I think. I think Wolfsburg uh, had the least chance just based on the performance that, that Lyon brought. But I think Noah Hegerberg for most of the season has been has hurt them. Uh, I think there has been some poor recruitment on Lyon's side, especially this season for the most part, in terms of trying to address the, the issues that they have in the squad. There's a lot of imbalance, you know, while Katarina Macario, who they signed in January, is... Um, is, is a great signing and one that uh, makes a lot of sense 
because of the way she, um, you know, being the number one pick at Stanford. But I think they didn't really need her. They needed, they didn't need her. They needed probably another midfielder or another defender because they, I mean, Saki Kuma guys had to go there because Buchanan has been injured. Um, form's not been great. Uh, up front, they seem to lack ideas. I mean, they played Soyo yesterday and it's just midfield lacked any sort of speed, any sort of any sort of penetration, movement. And the, the team just looks devoid of ideas, you know. It's, it's almost like the same issue as Arsenal to some extent it's I don't know so I, I, I it pains me to say being both a Lyon and Chelsea fan but um I don't think I don't think Lyon are going to win it I think it's going to be either I think Chelsea have the favorites uh, but I, I think Bayern Munich uh Bayern Munich Barcelona have an excellent chance and even PSG to some extent because they're top of the league in the French division I think those three teams are, are my kind of favorites for going forward and really making it deep in the tournament Definitely a, a tournament to watch this this year, as you mentioned. You know, Leon Art, they're not really convincing as as they were um, probably a few years back, and even last year they they weren't really convincing. A lot of people thought that Wolfsburg were were going to run away with the title in the final, um, but Leon kind of kind of proved everyone wrong, um, almost unfortunately. Um, but this year, especially with PSG leading the French league right now, I think it is a bit more of a of a possibility. And I, I watched their game on Saturday, and you know, it's they're not as upbeat as fast and as stylish as they once were um but coming back to the man city and, and chelsea games um jesse what are your what are your score predictions for each one ah oh, my score predictions um i think man city will win four nil and i think chelsea will win three nil okay okay so a bit of a of a shutout for each team i'm feeling pretty confident for, for both sides times to be honest I mean I, I do think for Chelsea it'll be interesting I think this tie is potentially harder on paper than it will be in reality you know I think Atletico probably were the trickiest side they could have got but this is a very different Atletico team from maybe a couple of seasons ago and I think maybe we'd still holding on to an idea of a stronger Atletico than in the reality potentially potentially not but you know I do think the one the only maybe worry is that you know Chelsea have had a long break and they've got to go into this game fresh which can be great for fresh legs but you know, also at the same time, sometimes it's useful to have had an opportunity to play together before, um, which I think will be City's advantage, seeing as they basically played the England game together as well. So <laughs> that's a whole nother topic to talk about there. Um, Abdullah, what, what are your score predictions for this week? Oh, OK. Uh, yeah, I think I think City will, will clean uh, Fiorentina. I think it'll be, a, I think, a 3-0 to three three nil to City I think that'll be that'll be a good uh, I think they'll, they'll get to like two three goals up and I think they'll take their foot off gas a little bit just to kind of conserve some energy towards the end um, and I think with Chelsea uh, I think similar score and I think I think it's a three to four goal thriller so I think I think you know what I'll j- just for the sake of being different I'm going to give Fiorentina a chance I'm going to I'm going to say three one to Chelsea I'll give Fiorentina a goal I was I was going to say the same thing. I think I think Fiorentina are are definitely capable of, of kind of scoring that one goal, especially with Luis Quinn. I, I don't really. I mean, Steph Houghton probably goes up to her to her ribs. Like I don't know. I definitely can see um, kind of Fiorentina take like capitalizing on a city weakness that they see. I don't see them winning um, at all, but I do see them at least getting a goal or maybe even two at that, depending on city on how city are at, at the day. Um, Chelsea. 
Atletico are definitely <coughs> going to be. I think that is going to be a very good side just because both are very focused on attacking. Though Chelsea is a bit more sound in the defensive side of things. Um, Atletico obviously have Dana Castellanos, Lacey Santos. Rodmila uh, da Silva has been having an amazing season so far. Um, and, you know, Barcelona managed to beat him 3-0 early in the season. And and kind of Atletico beat them in the Supercopa um, semi-final. So you don't really know what to expect from them, really. Um, I think Man City, Fiorentina, I think it will end up around a 3-1 scoreline. And Chelsea, Atletico, I think it's going to be a bit more entertaining. Um, I'm going to give that a 4-2 for Chelsea. Um, I don't think, I think Atletico can put Chelsea on the back foot easily, especially with their speed. Lamira da Silva is absolutely blazing on the wing and I think can cause a lot of trouble. Um, But at the end of the day, I mean, the mentality that Chelsea has, the quality that Chelsea has, if they are behind, I think they will have the capacity to come back. So I think that would be 4-2 maybe. I will regret saying that, but we'll see about that. Um, So this comes to the conclusion of our first pod. Hope you guys enjoyed that. And you can follow us on Twitter if you're not doing so yet and keep up to date with all information and updates regarding the pod. Check the description for our Twitter handles and we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you very much.